0: But back
1: to be yard on the but the play is not reviewable.
0: Welcome to another edition of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast episode. 150 boys made it another milestone episode this one's called the rush for dac it's the lions at cowboys preview show my name's matthew turner alongside co-host Ant and ryan and with a special guest brian gainer from the uk cowboys
2: how are you all doing boys Good gentlemen it is a ple- pleasure to join you and on a Milestone event as well. Do you know, I'm, I'm loving the, the, the title of the show. I'm, I'm going to have to uh, share this with the guys for uh, for for a bit of banter over the next 48 hours. How are you I'm boys good. doing? I'm, sevi-
3: I'm severely caffeinated. This is my second double letter.
2: Oh,
0: God. <laughs> We're in for one, lads. Get ready for a rant from Ryan at some point <laughs> in the show. <laughs> How are you doing, Anne It was a long college show.
1: Yeah, well, it was a very, very long week last week. A lot of a lot of stuff happened. Bama getting beaten, six unbeaten teams losing their records. Divisions, you know, half the conferences are in complete and up three for all at the minute. You can't call a championship winner for any of them. You can't call the games even. It's just... It's pure out crazy at this moment in time, so there's there's always a lot to discuss with it. So, yeah, it's it's crazy, and it's just going to get even more crazy today. I'm looking forward to a rare Saturday off where I can just sit and watch college all day. It's going to be great. I love These are the best days.
0: Cracking weekend of football is coming up, and if you want to hear more about college, last week's college and the games coming up today, you'll have to go and listen to the College Football Podcast on our YouTube channel right now, just aired a moment ago. Uh, don't forget as well to join our discord channel like and sub the show and all that good stuff download lions nation unite the app by herman moore to bring together all the best in lions content creators and we're a twitch affiliate if you have a amazon prime subscription and you don't use twitch you have a free twitch prime sub gives us the equivalent of about two bucks two and a half bucks per sub per month and it doesn't cost you a penny it just takes it from amazon and it gives it to us so if you you can do that i'm very very grateful i'm going to skip over the rest of the preamble because we can do that when brian leaves us and i'm going to skip over all the stats and all that duller stuff that we can go through without him and just talk about the cowboys in a bit more depth of course going to arlington texas for the game t- uh, tomorrow, as it stands, as it as we're talking now, four and two Cowboys starting off with a loss against Tampa, but then went four and one with Cooper Rush under center, which is uh, absolutely fantastic. And just to start off, I mean, how? Let, let's go back to before that. How did he feel hmm. about the off season to start with? It was, um, I think. If I look at every move that you made, it kind of all made sense and the draft picks, I kind of like them. But then I looked at the roster before you started and the roster after you finished and I kind of thought that maybe Dallas had gotten slightly worse. Were you were you on that same boat? It was kind of maybe one of the few teams I thought was going sideways rather than forwards.
2: Yeah, it, 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 it was a very weird off season in Dallas. Like obviously it kicked off with Amari Cooper being traded away for a fifth rounder, which some people think it made made sense most people were apoplectic about it and you know didn't understand and were there like you know especially with some of the moves that were made during the draft with aj brown going for a first round with hollywood brown going for a first round picks and you're just going like we got a fifth for mary cooper but you have to qualify that and go hey you need to realize cleveland also took on a 20 million cap hit for him so you're not going to get a first round pick if you if you if another team is taking your cap hit for you so i wasn't totally averse to it especially given the rumors that circulated after the the loss to the san francisco 49ers in the playoffs and there was apparently a bit of a bust up in the dressing room with dak and amari so i mean dak's your quarterback he's there for the next 3 4 years he's on a huge guaranteed contract and it made sense you know i think the, the philosophy in Dallas at the minute, especially will McClay and Stephen Jones running the organization, is this team is trying to get younger, faster, fitter. It's a bit like back when Jimmy Johnson was there first. And I think we we, we at before the season started, we had our full last two draft classes our 2021 2022 draft classes, all of them were on the roster. We had, I think it was something like 46 or 47 players on the roster had been drafted. So it makes sense where they're going. And if you flip it forward to the end of this season, a lot of the talk that's going to happen is that, say, Ezekiel Elliott is going to be cut because you're getting away from his contract, which a lot of people want to do. Seeing what Zeke is doing this season, I wouldn't agree with that. Um, the draft yeah a lot of it made sense a lot of it didn't make sense like on the night of the draft I was going Tyler Smith's a third rounder why are we taking him in the first Sam Williams I thought was a third rounder and Jalen Talbert I thought was a second rounder so he kind of I was comfortable with that but then Jalen Talbert hasn't dressed this season so you're going eh, that's not a great that's not a great pick so you know things have gone sideways slightly and after, after the, the Buccaneers game and you were told Dak is down for four to six weeks, you're just going, that's it, season's over. And then you have Cooper Rush come in and, you know, do what he's done. Like, I mean, Cooper Rush is, he's not a superstar quarterback. He's never going to be a, a top 15, top 20 guy in this league. He'll, he'll barely be a top 32 player. He's probably better than some of the starting quarterbacks in the league. But, you know, for the Dallas Cowboys who want to be contending for Super Bowls, no matter how they've performed over the last number of years, you know, having a Cooper Rush, an undrafted free agent under centre is never going to work out in the long term. He's done what he's done in the last five games. He's he's gotten us a record of 4-1. and one. If, if you'd said that to us after the Bucs game, especially facing into... You're facing the Giants, the Commanders, the Eagles, Cincinnati Bengals, and the LA Rams, and you're you're playing the Rams in in LA, and you're on. We're going to come out for that four and one. Snap your off.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think I think if I told you that you were going to go two and three, beating the Giants and and Washington, and losing to Cincinnati, the Rams, and Philadelphia with no starting quarterback, that you'd probably go. Yeah, sounds about right. So. I mean, but the thing is, you watch those games and I was about to say overachievement, therefore, from expectation. And it is from expectation. But you look Mm. at how you've won those games and you've dominated up front, especially led by Micah Parsons. But, you know, some other guys are having some bounce back years that defense. So I was going to talk about uh, Dak and how last year. He was keeping you in games where you were kind of just getting blown away and he kept mm. bringing you back from like yeah. impossible positions to kind of lose narrowly and thinking, well, this defense doesn't look like it's getting better. So how's that going to do it? And then that goes down. You're like, oh, wow, this is going to go really, really badly. But your defense has rebounded so spectacularly. And I guess mm. one of the biggest guys for that is Leighton Van Der Esch, who's, who I thought was going to be all it was seen, wasn't convinced he was going to be coming back. You yeah. you do bring him back. And, and he's really started
2: well this year. He has really started well, but the the concern with Leighton always is the injury profiles, will he take a chip, will he take a knock at some stage in the season, and you're going, we can't count on him again, because Layton is great for maybe 10 games, 12 max, but you know at some stage he's going to get an injury and he's going to put you out, and then you're looking and going, effectively we've We've Leighton Van der, or we've Mike Parsons, we've Anthony Barr, and then we've a couple of untested guys in, you know, Damone Clark, who might be back for tomorrow, uh, Jabril Cox, and, you know, you're just, you're, you're looking and going, it's not great, and it might be something, it might be something we will look at in the draft this year again, is maybe drafting another linebacker high, quite high. A guy out of my eye on already is um, Noah Sewell. Hands Here. off.
0: yeah we need a star linebacker ourselves um so you're in this position now rush has here's the big question that kind of everyone is going to boil things down to you you protected rush by not letting Mm. throw too much if you look at kind of the similar sort of stretch he's had to star quarterbacks he's throwing about Thirty percent less than some of these these more star names. You know, 155 passes, I think it was in this five six game stretch. So you've run the ball a lot, and when you have pass the ball, some of it has been play action short of passes, not letting him throw too much down the field. But he's operated that really well. Yeah, Dak coming back now, and and the obviously episode title is a pun, but it is a genuine question is not Dak being rushed back because we've been told he's healthy, but with this sort of thumb and we saw what happened in Seattle last year with Russell Wilson and a similar sort of injury. Do Mm -hmm. you, do you expect the game plan to change massively between the two quarterbacks considering he's just coming back from injury?
2: I don't because here's the thing. and, And you kind of alluded to it there earlier in terms of the draft, our draft class this year a lot of the offensive players we took were for the run game purposes. So Tyler Smith, big, mean, blocking, run blocking type offensive lineman. Um, Jake Ferguson, big 10 tight end, loves to play in line as a tight end block, as a blocking tight end. And the game, game plan was, and again, coming out of the 49ers game was – we're not running the ball effectively. We're not running it well. And if you look at, as you say, through the Cooper Rush games, the Cowboys rushing numbers have gone up and up and up. I think we're about 140, 160 a game in rushing. And it's getting back to that grinding a game out. Once you bring back Dak, obviously you can air it out and you can throw for three or 400 yards a game if you have to. But the approach from, the, from, from that draft was that we're going to start controlling the games with the run, we're going to start the game and establish ourselves, build it in the trenches, build out from there, like if you look at both sides of the ball for us, our defensive line, our offensive line are where everything is, is is coming from and that's that's kind of the way I can see it going tomorrow, because you don't want to you don't want to say to Dak tomorrow right, Dak you have to throw the ball for 400 yards, because if, if he's throwing for 400 guard, yards, you know the Lions are up at 28-35 20, points.
0: Questions, lads, that occur at this point.
2: Um,
1: I'm just curious as to ask how the um, the Sam Williams experiment is going on there. The Dallas love drafting their bad boys coming out of college, and he had a uh, I say a lot of um, misdemeanors while he was at This Great player, but um, I've not really heard much about him so far. How's the uh, How's the project going with him?
2: I, I I think Sam Williams is going to be a two or three year project for them. Um like it's it's the unfortunate thing. Every year the Dallas Cowboys risk it in the second round. They always risk it on a guy with high potential upside. You had Jalen Smith in 2016, you had Sean Lee in 2010, Sam Williams this year, uh Kelvin Joseph last year, and trying to think there was, there was someone else it, uh, Connor Williams a couple of years ago I think it's 2017, 2018 they always project the guy there you can almost bank on the Cowboys doing that and Sam Williams I wasn't comfortable with the pick but he's getting in in spots and he's affecting the passer he's starting to to, to he is at the moment I think in, in the off season we saw it he has one move but by God he is able to do that move so well and um, that's great, but you're playing NFL lineman now. You have to have a bag of tricks. It's not a case of one move and everybody is going to fall for it. They're not. They studied the film. They can see it. So he's going to have to learn over the next 18 months. And maybe coming into his third season, you're going, right, does the light flick on? Because if you look at last year, everyone was questioning the Trayvon Diggs pick in the second round for 2020. And suddenly Trayvon Diggs went to a Pro Bowl, had 11 interceptions in the season, you know, and you're on, right, okay. now I see what they were doing. So it's just maybe giving Sam Williams that bit of adjustment and time to do it. And look, I think if you look at our last couple of drafts, they have picked a lot of guys with character issues, like they picked Sam Williams, they picked Kelvin Joseph, um, Josh Ball, very huge character concerns around him. Mike Parsons had character concerns around him as well, you know. So a lot of pe- a lot of a lot of teams going into that draft were going, "I'm not sure about Micah Parsons," and you know, Cowboys benefited.
3: Anything, Ryan, that you want to ask at this point? I'm just curious. <clears throat> what do you think of the New York Giants? Are they legit? Are they are they just are they a gimmick? Are they for uh, real?
2: I don't think they're for real. I don't, because I don't think they trust themselves. Obviously, they haven't extended Danny Dines for his fifth year. So who's going to be their quarterback next year? Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. He could be the best running back in the league, but will he be injured or not? And I don't think they've, I, what, I think they bet the commanders, and then we handled them quite easily. At, I think it was at MetLife we played them. And they still have to go to Philadelphia. You know when 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 they've gone through the full slate of the NFC East, I'll be able to tell you if they're if they're legit or not. But I just don't see it because they haven't backed Danny Dimes, and their draft class hasn't been great. You know, like Andrew Thomas, who they drafted last year, is serviceable. Evan Neal, who they drafted this year, has not had a good start to the season, and that would concern me. As if I was a fan of theirs, that would concern me. As a fan of the Cowboys, obviously, I'm going, right, I know where I'm aiming I'm, I'm lining Michael Parsons up or where I'm lining up Dorrance Armstrong or Demarcus Lawrence and going, right, you take
3: him. No, I agree. Like I say, no, Sterling Shepherd, Caterius Toney, he's going to be. He's going to wind up probably in jail one day. He is just, mm. he's got character concerns. He's a total bust. Kenny Galladay, he's the most expensive paperweight in the NFL because he's useless. <laughs> The Giants are too good and they don't have a quarterback next year. They're playing too well. that Their whole yeah. scheme is totally off, isn't it? So I agree. Yeah. I think the Eagles, for me, I think are a Super Bowl contender, but I don't know. The NFC East is fascinating. Carson yeah. Wentz is just... Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz, and it, like you say, he's just a total liability.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, there's a reason Wentz bounced from, say, from the Eagles over to... Indianapolis and in Indianapolis, where he went to Frank Reich, who was his quarterback's coach at the Eagles. And Reich said after a year, yeah, I'm done. You know, and he was replaced by Matt Ryan. And no disrespect to Matt Ryan. He was a former MVP, but he's on the downslide And Carson Wentz was was moved on to bring in Matt Ryan. You know, so I I never got the hype. I remember listening to all the Cowboys podcasts going into that 2016 um draft. And obviously the hype was that it was going to be Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. Obviously Goff is with you guys now and Wentz is with, is on his third team. Out of, out of the quarterbacks in that draft class, the only quarterback who's still with his team is Dak Prescott. Moving
0: back to Dallas and without getting into this game just yet, I'll come on to that in a second, but... Looking at the future of the Cowboys this season, you have the entire NFC North in a row in the next four games, which is a really bonkers way to do the schedule. But there you go. Two home games against the Lions and Bears, then away against the Packers and Vikings. You've also got the entire AFC South to play. yeah, And then you've got one game in division left to play, which is not... The hardest division in football. I know that the stats may say yeah. at the moment that it is a high achieving division, but I still think it's perhaps not one of the best. So yeah. you have a look at the state of the NFC North right now not the not the best. the yeah. The Vikings are at the top of it, but I think flattering to deceive a little bit. And the Packers are not the team they once were. Yeah what are, what is your you know, end of season prediction for you guys at the moment. What what do you think you might have in terms of wins? Because even though you lost to the Eagles in the last game, you you're still going to be flying up there, right?
2: Yeah, like look, look, coming out of that Eagles game and coming out of a 20 nil halftime, you know, deficit to come back to finish up 26-17 was was a great result. There's there's no one in Cowboys Nation is disappointed about how that game. Yes, it absolutely sucks to lose to your bitterest rival. But most people are there like, look, we handled that. And a lot of a lot a lot of the, the Twitter talk was, oh, well, Lane Johnson went down and, and you know, we missed him in the second half and we would have beaten you by so much more. And I'm like, well, hold on. We had Dak Prescott missing, we had Tyron Smith missing, we had our tight end Dalton Schultz missing. You know, you'd one lineman, we had three starters, you know. So you know, if you if you put those three guys in and look, if they were fully fit ifs and buts and nuts and all mm. that kind of stuff <laughs> but I mean if projecting it forward like the NFC North if I would hope that we would come away with a 3-1 and one record there a 3-1 and one record against the AFC South and then if you finish 2-1 and one out of the, the, the remainder of the games against the NFC East because we play, I think we should play all of those once
0: mm. like that's a playoff team that's 12-5 and five, if I'm doing my math right yeah
2: yeah. yeah, like if, I mean, if you if you finish at twelve and five, like if you're not in the playoffs, there's there, there there's something very strange has happened in the season. But I mean, it it it's it's going to take a game or two for Dak. And look, I'm not I'm not going to throw shade on the Lions in this. I think it's a better game for him to come back because I think he's better to just hand the ball off and not try and air it out. You know, I mean, look, like the Lions have a lot of good players on that team. And, you know, it's, this is a trap game for us. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it, it's built into a trap game because Dax is in his first game back. We don't know how he's going to react. We don't know how he's good, how he's going to be able to throw the ball. And let's be honest, the Lions have started games very, very, very fast this year. You've put up a lot of points in quick succession and it's closing out the game has been the issue. But at some point, the light's going to turn on. You guys are going to finish out a game and not throw away a fourth quarter lead. And you're not going to snatch, you know, defeat from the jaws of victory. We'll take you word for that. Could <laughs> happen, it could <laughs> happen tomorrow. <laughs> It could happen
0: tomorrow. Let's talk about the cowboys in isolation. If you are going to sell me on the strengths and weaknesses of the team as they stand right now, where are they for you where Where are you really deep? Where do you beat teams and where can teams beat you?
2: so where teams are where we're beating teams at the minute or where and this is going to be strange for a cowboys fan to say we're strong at safety if you if you if you look at us over this season. Malik Hooker is playing a free safety. Teams are not playing the deep ball. So it's very, very rare that you are seeing uh, seeing the Cowboys being beaten with a deep ball and a deep ball over the middle. I know um, Trayvon got burnt for a couple of, couple of passes in some of the games recently. I think one of them was against the Giants. And yeah, Trayvon will give, the, give those plays up. But if you look at, in terms of what the guys at safety are doing, they're... Keeping everything in front of them, they're keeping it compacted, and you're not getting beaten long. Jaron is obviously a guy we picked up from yourselves, you know, two years ago, and he's just coming back into full fitness now. He's he, he's he's that hybrid linebacker, tight end killer, and I'd expect him to be picking up TJ Hawkinson tomorrow um and then donovan wilson so guy out a guy out of texas a and it, it it pains me to say it about him he's actually a good player but i mean he is a guy who will come in as your strong safety and he will lay the wood he's the kind of guy who just doesn't want to give up a yard so that's where they're very very strong corner they're doing well probably we we alluded to it earlier. They're probably weakest at linebacker because they just have that little bit of a lack of depth. And Micah is being moved all around, but in recent weeks, Micah has played more as a as a linebacker. He's not playing as much of a, as a say a designated pass rusher on third downs. He's dropped back into coverage, like a lot of a lot of the Eagles fans were trying to say to us last week, Oh, Micah's no good in coverage. He had two pass pass breakups on Sunday night. You know, so it's it's more the depth behind say Micah Parsons, Leighton, and Anthony Barr. It's very unproven. And that's where, where where we might get burned. Flipping it over to the offensive side of the ball, we still have concerns at um at the offensive line. You know, it's 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 a patchwork at best. You're working with a guy at le- at left tackle who you know, is he a left tackle, is he a left guard? You're looking at Connor McGovern playing left guard and you're going, he's in a contract year and we still have concerns over the centre and that's probably the biggest issue, but you could say everywhere on on our offence bar has issues because wide receiving core, we don't have a guy who's stepping up and going, I am the number one receiver. T Lamb has a lot of issues with drops, Michael Gallup hasn't come back as good tight ends Fulton would be gone at the end of the season. He's on, he's on He's on. the franchise tag. And then running back, we don't know what's going to happen with Tony Pollard if he's going to be resigned and Zeke might be caught at the end of the season. Questions
0: that occur about the Cowboys specifically before moving on to the game, boys?
3: Question. Would you rather have Trayvon Diggs give up hardly any yards all season and get three interceptions or continue to give up 10, 11 interceptions but give up all the yards in the season? Do you like the bend, don't break, you fact is all or nothing? Or does that worry you?
2: I would prefer a shutdown corner. That's just me. But, I mean, if you try and tell Trayvon Diggs you have to be a shutdown corner, you take away the best part of his game. The guy is still learning his trade as a cornerback. He, you know, obviously he's Stefan Diggs' brother. He played wide receiver when he went to Alabama. And I think he only switched over to cornerback in his la- his second last season at Alabama. So he's still trying to not look into the backfield and look for the interception. And in games, he has actually shut down a lot of wide receivers. Like he's shut down Terry McLaurin. He's shut down, he's shut down. Um, there's a couple of other guys, but I know he has been shutting down guys. And like that against yourselves tomorrow, he's going to be taking Amon Ra St. Brown. If Amon Ra plays and you're on, okay, will, will he be able to shut him down? I'm not sure he will. But he might also have an interception and a pick six, you know, but it that's not really answering your question. But if it was me, I'd prefer a shut corner.
0: And anything that occurs? <clears throat> uh, not just at the moment. All right. We'll move it on to the game itself then. Um, So specifically against this Lions team, you've spoken about the strengths of the Dallas team. Do you think that's going to play a factor then? Your safeties have come up really big for you guys. Mm. The Lions have kind of done more of their work underneath, perhaps where your weakness is more at linebacker. Mm. Uh, Amon Ra, yeah. you mentioned earlier, looks like he going to play. Do you think that the Lions O-line can hang enough with your pass rush, which has been so dominant this year, so that Goff can actually operate? Because I think that's the biggest
2: question of all. Yeah, it is, and that's that. That's the one thing I really didn't touch on, and I know some of our guys are going. You didn't talk about the defensive line, and they're going to be given out to me. But I mean, I I I would have concerns for for your role line going against that D line because I think is Frank Ragnow was on the injured report all week. Um, I think
0: he'll play, but yes, he is.
2: Yeah, and and that's a concern. I think um does the. Does one of your guards, who I whose name we can't pronounce, and uh, he's a concern? Um, which one? Which one are we talking about, boys
0: for guard? It's um not Jonah Jackson. I don't even know who has have got a guard anymore for this game. <laughs> We've <gone through laughs> well,
1: so many, got so but... many. You've only got Logan Stenberg and Dan Skipper. Those names. If he's talking yeah. about if he's talking about he's out for the season. Yeah. No, it's it's
2: uh, Stenberg. Stenberg. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So he I mean, had a really good pass blocking game and got yanked from a game because of his run blocking because he missed one of his assignments. Yeah. Which is meant to be the strength of his game. So it's a bit of a weird one if he does come back in. But yeah.
2: Yeah. So that's, that's kind of the concerns I would have for, for you guys. Um, and then, look, unfor- I know I said I wasn't going to rag on you guys much, but unfortunately, the guy you have at quarterback is a huge concern, I would say. And I mean, I think, I think... Potentially, you guys are also looking at a new quarterback next year. Um, I would say you're 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 kind of looking and going. Will we be in the range for for CJ Stroud or for Bryce Young coming out? Or um, Jesus, who's the other hawk prospect at the minute that's flying up the boards? Hendon, Hendon and Hooker. Hendon Hooker. Yeah, Hendon Hooker is flying up the boards. You know, will will we be in the range to be picking one of those three guys? Yes, probably.
0: <laughs> Probably, but
2: we'll see. So you're, even though we scored lots of points, you're
0: not buying into the goth revival? No. no. <laughs> no that's fair enough. I don't blame you. I think a lot of people in, in Lionstown are kind of doubting that as well. Okay, so we've talked about the matchup very briefly, but is there anything <laughs> about the Lions... So, Rob, one of our guys on our WhatsApp chat, who's a who's a fan, has just asked, "Who or what specifically about the Lions do you feel will be the biggest problem for you?" So, you know, it sounds like you're you're pretty bullish on your chances in this game, but where can we hurt you?
2: Where where I can imagine you're going to hurt us tomorrow is the matchup of the rookies, Aiden Hutchinson against Tyler Smith. I can imagine Aiden Aiden Hutchinson possibly having a, a two sack game tomorrow. Like if you if you decide to move him around, I think he might have his way with either of our tackles in terms of Tyler and um Terrence Steele. Terrence Steele has has been having a good season at right tackle, um, but he 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 struggles with speed, and I think Hutchison might this might be a game where Hutchison shows again. Yeah, you know I was the number two two, two pick in the draft, and I probably should have been the number one pick. Oh. Spicy. I've heard a lot of people say, did he not make a mistake
0: not taking Thibodeau? So it's interesting to hear someone saying he should have gone a bit higher. But there we go. No, no you're not a, no. <laughs> it's, it's not, a, not a Thibodeau fan.
2: It's not that I'm not a Thibodeau fan. I thought Hutchison was the best player in this year's draft class. I'm not sure that Trayvon Walker, who went number one, is the best player in this. I'm not even convinced he's in the top 10 players in this draft class. So um. For me, Hutchison was was clearly um, and by a distance the best player in the draft. I, I don't understand why they didn't pick him.
0: Ash also had a question about your O-line specifically. He said that your O-line seemingly on the stat sheet gives up loads of pressures. Like, mm. top, top half of the league in pressures. Not like yeah. really high, but a yeah. lot of freshers, but you're almost league lowest in sacks allowed. What yeah. is it about the way that you've operated your, your offense that means that that can be true, or is it just blind luck?
2: It's it's not blind luck. I think it's more the way the guys are playing. I think they're, they're, they have an ability to play on their heels. Um, like I'm not really the guy to talk O-line, D-line, but they do have an ability or kind of allowed to take a step backward to allow themselves to to absorb the hit, and then you're getting the ball out quicker. And what also feeds into it is as much as the pressures are coming, is the ball was being handed off so much more. So so Cooper Rush was wasn't really throwing, as you said, he got 155 throws in five games. So that negates pressure, and that's 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 kind of why I think we've we've been low in terms of sacks. The demo was, was Cooper wasn't really going to do much other than be a pocket passer or, or handing off the
3: ball.
0: Makes sense. Um, we also have one more question, which I th- I think we, we will rubbish a little bit, but here we go. You said, we're weak at linebacker. We don't have particularly many. What do you think a trade for Leighton Van Der Esch would take?
2: We'll a <laughs> trade for Leighton Van... <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I, I promised I would ask, so... Um, Like I mean I don't think anyone Is going to trade For Leighton Van Dresch. Everyone knows He'll be available At the end of the season mm. So I mean But If someone came in and, and you know Offered a Fourth or a fifth round pick I'd maybe consider it mm. But I mean I don't think the Cowboys Will entertain anything Because they know if 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 you have Leighton Van Der Esch gone, you've Mike Parsons, you've Anthony Barr, and you've a couple and you've a couple of guys who haven't taken snaps in the NFL yet.
3: Hmm.
2: Right, boys.
0: Any thoughts about this game that you want to ask Brian?
3: I was kind of annoyed. Like Anthony Barr was on the market so long. The Lions have got a glaring hole linebacker. I was. I know we didn't have the cap, but I would have loved to try and make work something. The yeah. biggest threat. The worrying thing for me is, like I say, the Lions, I think, have only got a chance if they just let Dak throw the ball. If you just continue to hand the ball off, you're going to crucify us. We just saw a Seattle team with two rookie tackles as well let Rashad Penny burn us two seasons in a row. I am mm-hmm. so worried that Tony Pollard is going to absolutely go off. Zeke, well, we saw what Zeke did, like, say, 18 months ago. That game when he touched down where we decided to put a really slow linebacker on him. Like it just hurt us. You're good where we're not strong. I don't think you're very complimentary of us. I think we're gonna get absolutely blown out. I think you're gonna Micah Parsons is gonna pitch a tent in that backfield. He's gonna toast marshmallows on Jared Goff. Like I'm very I'm very worried. <laughs>
0: Well, the other thing that we saw is is Jake Ferguson had a bit of a breakout game in the receiving game mm. against yeah. Philadelphia, four for forty and a touchdown. But just looked physical and imposing. I wanted him so badly.
3: Like oh,
0: I wanted him really badly as well. <laughs> he looked yeah. great, and we are not good at covering tight ends as well. It's been a problem for yeah. us for years, so I expect him to have a really good game as well. And have you got any thoughts about this game for Brian?
1: Um, I just wonder what it is. Your- Pressure numbers are off the chart this year for how much pressure you're bringing against opposing quarterbacks. What specifically is it that they're doing on the defence that's creating this? Because, you know, there's always some form of scheme that they're coming up with that puts these guys in the position to succeed. So we're in the opposite the minute. We don't know how to use Aiden and how to get the best out of them. How are they getting the best out of all this defensive line that you've got?
2: I think, I think you, you, you've already said it. It's how Dan Quinn is scheming and even Durde, how they're scheming things up because you're not seeing everyone in the same position all the time. You're seeing DeMarcus Lawrence take snaps at three tech and one tech. You're seeing Micah Parsons dropping in and being a DPR. You're seeing Chauncey Goldstone coming in. You're, you're You're never seeing the guys in the exact same location every time. And a lot of what they're doing with the front seven, especially, and look, to be to be fair to Leighton Van Der Esch, a lot of the trickery they're doing with Leighton Van Der Esch is he seems to be dropping down to the box and the tackles and centres and guards are reacting to that and then he'll drop out. But then he, as he's about to drop out, he comes and it just creates pressure. And that's allowing our defensive tackles to move in and create pressure, or it's allowing one of our defensive ends to loop around and come up the middle. It's it's just it's all the, the scheming and how they're playing the guys. And the thing is there's so many different guys that you're going, Oh no, it's him. It's this guy in on this play, and you're going, What's he gonna do? Because where's he gonna line up? And and it's it's just how they scheme everything up.
3: All right. One last question. Go for it. At the trade deadline at Dallas Buyers or sellers, oh the Dallas Buyers Club. I should have named it that. <laughs> Dalton Schultz is on the franchise tag. Does that mean you, if you get an offer for him, you ship him off? Is there anyone you think you should trade for? Or are you not in a position?
2: Uh, no. like I, We were actually talking about this in our own admin group yesterday uh, when, the, when, the, when the news broke about the Christian McCaffrey trade. And I was saying to the guys, when did we last actually trade for a player? But that wasn't during the draft. And the guy said it to me, it was November 2020. It's two years since we've made a trade. And I, I just it. don't I it was Eli Anku, a defensive tackle for that we brought over from the Texans. And I just don't see us doing it. I think Stephen and Will McClay, the way they're running things now, they want every draft pick they have, they don't want to give a draft pick up at all. Like for for, for me, what I wanted all off season was them, for them to get aggressive. Uh, because I thought they were in a two-year window and I wanted them to get aggressive and go after Quinton Nelson, get Quinton Nelson in and shore up, the, shore up the offensive line. They didn't do it. And obviously Nelson has now signed his new contract and he's the be- best paid guard in the league and he deserves to be. But I just don't think they want to be aggressive in that way anymore. And unfortunately, look, I think the league has proven you need to get aggressive, you need to make trades and you need to stop over-investing in young players and new players because it's not working. You know, Rams won the Super Bowl last year because they had Von Miller, they had Odell Beckham Jr. They went out this offseason brought in Alan Robbins, brought in Bobby Wagner. You know, you have to get in guys, you have to pay top end for established guys and not rely on drafting guys and winning games.
3: And that hurts us too. We've got like, the second youngest roster in the league. The veterans yeah. are all piss poor. And going <laughs> yeah. games, no one steps up to help the young guys. We we need to be aggressive too. I want yeah. to be about a deadline, but I know people are wary of that.
2: Yeah. Right. So mm. I I have a question for you guys just kind of on the, N- the state of the NFC North at the minute. Just, um, mm. you know, as you say, we have a four-game run coming up against the NFC North. I mean, things seem to be changing up there. And you kind of I kind of alluded to it about Jared Goff being gone. I've heard reports that Justin Fields might be a trade trade candidate. I think we're in the last season of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And I don't rate Kirk Cousins as a quarterback. So, you know, where do you guys see twenty twenty three? What do you see the NFC North being? Is it going to be a lot more competitive?
1: That's much I no? fire. <laughs> <laughs> is, it is, it is going to be bad That is I what agree. it is at the minute You know, the, the Bears are in a massive rebuild We're in a big rebuild The Packers yeah. are soon going to be in a rebuild And the Vikings are The Vikings are still holding that line of mediocrity Where they're not They're not progressing forward as a massive contender Although they're doing well this year But they're not bad enough to tank for the star To kind of reset it again. They're just in that middle purgatory bit And then you've yeah. got three teams on so I think it's going to take a long time to fix these teams. I think we're going to be bad for a few years. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that the
0: Vikings are are being mediocre at the, at the best possible time now, because the Packers are set to be worse than them for the next few years. I don't think it's Rogers' last season. I I, I know the rumors are out there that he's disgruntled and wants to retire, but we saw this last year mm. and then he re-signed. Like, Rogers ain't going anywhere, but his contract is so hamstringing that that team just isn't going to be good. Where are their receivers coming from? Apparently, they want to trade in for a receiver, but they just can't afford one, and they can't mm. afford the draft capital because they need to get cheaper across the board. So mm. I don't buy it. And their, their passing game is just so bad that even the you know back-to-back MVP is having his worst year since 2015. So the Packers are going to be bad. I think they're going to end with a sub 500 record if they continue going the way they're going. I really think they'll end up eight and nine. Uh, The boys don't agree with me. I've got a bet that that they don't make the playoffs. So we'll see what happens with that. But the Vikings are one of the worst five and one teams I've seen in some time. Like they're just, they were awful in their last game and turned the ball over a few times to make it work, but they were anemic on offense and just about made it happen. So they're going to get into the playoffs and be the four seed and get knocked out by the five seed. I just don't think they're going to progress frequently mm. quickly far and they'll be mediocre for ages to come. The bears have the best chance to be a good team quickly because they're just quite mm. as bad as they are, but they can flip things quite quickly apart yeah. from ourselves. I think that we also have a good shot to kind of rebound up that way because We're underperforming and that's going to increase your draft stock. And then, if eventually you do get overperforming and you've got some good young guys, just need to hit on one free agency season, we could get there. So, 2023, I mean, anyone could win the division next year. Anyone. It's so Mm. open, but it does look a bit like the NFC East last year.
2: Yeah. It's really bad. that's, That's the comparison I was going to make is that, you know, everyone told us the NFC, everyone called it the NFC least last year and now everyone is calling it the nfc beast now i don't buy that very much myself you know it depends on it's going to depend on how the rivalry games play out um but i can see i can see a second team from the nfc East going to the playoffs but it it, it is still I, I i i have a lot of respect for the teams in the nfc north and i would never count them out at any stage but um the other question I would have for you guys is Matt Eberflus, new head coach in Chicago, former Dallas Cowboys coordinator. You know what are your thoughts on him as a head coach? Are you are you concerned? Have you seen any signs of of potential spring back in Chicago? Are are is going to make that comeback?
1: He's he's yeah. left his quarterback to die. That that's never yeah. a good, that's never a good sign when. I mean, I I said it, and people say it's far fetched, but I think they're deliberately setting fields up to fail, so they can justify drafting their own guy. You don't protect mm. him; he's getting sacked at a you I mean, you saw in that last game they played; he was he was hobbling all game, taking hits, still making throws, and it was it feels very wrong what they've done to him there. Um, mm. And the draft just made no sense in terms of they're trying to build the defense up again. I get that he's a defensive guy. It's not really yeah. an offensive guy but yeah. they are so far behind and i think they're all they've got like a hundred well, 105 million in free agency next year they're pulling it on that been available and being able to flip themselves into a contender immediately it ain't yeah. gonna happen i just they're making some confusing things that offense is worse than it was last year and yes yeah.
3: that's that, it. that, that takes it. some going yeah
1: that takes some going watching it is painful i don't know why i watched their last game against the commanders it was yeah. One of the worst Thursday night footballs I've ever seen. But I don't see where they're going with it. And I, I don't think they're going to get the resurgence under him personally. I think they're going to get ripped off for a lot of big free agents next year. A lot of money spent on them. But they will flip it really quick.
2: Yeah. And they, they have a huge concern with Roquan Smith as well at the minute, don't they? I don't think they've re-signed
3: him yet.
1: No. And they've got to pay Montgomery this year if they want to keep him a running back. And you yeah. know, you've got guys you need to pay. And that money soon goes. You know, yes. that's Jacksonville last year. That money soon went, and they've done all right with it, but they had their quarterback and the essential bits yes. they needed. They
3: don't. Yeah. 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 Right, Montgomery's just... walking. Yeah, yeah, <clears> you're <throat> not
0: re-signing. You've
3: Montgomery. got Khalil Herbert, <laughs> and you've got a best running back class coming up in the draft for years. You don't need a payment, <laughs> Montgomery. That'd be foolish.
2: Yeah. And I know, I know you guys are big college guys. So if 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 I was to give you a running back out of next year out of the twenty twenty three class, who do you want? Oh, I... oh God! I
1: don't know. You're going to say
0: Tucker? Anyone going to say Tucker?
1: No, I take Jameer Gibbs. I will <laughs> take Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs will be the healthy version of what we want DeAndre Swift to be all the time. Yeah, and a lot tougher. So. I'll that take Zach
3: Chabonet because he's big and got the big frame that we don't have.
2: I'll I'll say this quite openly to you guys. I'm I'm quite happy to hear that because uh, as as I said in the pregame show, I'm a I'm a Texas I know, fan, down, yeah. and I'd be happy to take Bijan Robinson at Tech uh, in at Dallas. Bijan's
1: getting compared to Barry. I know that's yeah. big, but he's getting compared to Barry in terms of the way he moves,
2: and yeah, I can yeah. see that's...
0: it the latest TDN mock had Bijan going to Dallas at 25, letting go of both of your current running backs and taking him, which I thought was shocking at first look. And then I was like, actually, that just makes a lot of sense.
1: Would you do that, though? Would you you quite happily give up your first next year for a running
2: back? Uh, For Bijan Robinson, yes, I would. Like, I... I, Pollard is not getting re-signed in Dallas. He's going to cost too much. And... the 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 word is Zeke Elliott is going to be cut. And you're kind of going, well, what are they going to do then at running back? And it makes a bit of sense that they go for Bijan John Robinson. And I mean, if Bijan John Robinson turns into Barry Sanders, I'm on record on our own shows as saying, I think Barry Sanders is the best running back to have ever played in the NFL. He 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 played on Lions teams in the 80s and 90s and Single-handedly won games, you know. And a lot of people love saying Emmett Smith, and more people say Walter Payton for me, Barry Sanders. Yeah, no question.
0: Right. Let's let's wrap this one up by just asking you for a score prediction for tomorrow.
2: It's uh, score, it's it's gonna be a lot closer, as I say, than 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 we think. I would say you're looking at about 26-19. And I'll, I'll, I'll favour the Cowboys to with the touchdown victory. Fair. Right.
0: We are going to give our predictions at the end of all of the stats and what have you like that. But just want to thank you, Brian, for coming on at short notice and giving a really comprehensive view of the Cowboys. Um, really exciting season for you guys and, and for the podcast as well, which seems like it's going strength to strength. Actually, let's just talk about that for a
2: moment. Talk about the podcast and, and what it's doing at the moment. So look, the our podcast goes out twice a week. We're doing we do a pre and a post game show, and um, once once the season finishes, we'll be into we'll be doing our own draft coverage, and once a week, you know, and look, like we've been doing what we've been doing it for four years. We've you know we have been able to get lined up with you guys because we do our own draft day shows as well. We've we've managed to get on Stephen Jones. We've managed to get on Will McClay onto the podcast on draft day which has been absolutely stunning that they were willing to give us that level of access. And it's, it's grown from strength to strength, you know, and it's, 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 it's great to have it. And I mean, I think it's, it's a great thing with ourselves, with, with all of us here in the UK and Ireland is the volume of content that we're all putting out and the respect that we're getting from, from, you know, podcasters and media teams over in the U S you know, we do, we'd, we'd um, Rob Phillips, one of the members of the Dallas media team, um, left during the week, and you know we were all we were all sent messages out to him, and he was there. You know, thanks for everything you guys you guys doing. We're there, like Rob. We don't do that, and he said, "No, no." He said, "Like we love coming on with you because you guys talk sense. You you've great knowledge, you've great insight into the game, and you know I think it, it's 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 to everyone's credit here in the UK and Ireland the work they do and the work they put in behind the scenes."
0: So that's a really nice compliment from some big people. Yeah, do go and check out the UK Cowboys. I'm sure you guys are talking about this game couple. I already have an episode out, I would imagine, about this game. Yeah,
2: we did we did our pre-game show there on Thursday evening. So like yourselves, we're on on, on the on the streaming services on YouTube and on Facebook. So you'll be able to pick us up there. Fantastic. Thanks very much, Brian. We'll our see you probably time.
0: around draft time. Cheers.
2: Pleasure as always, gents. And as I say, we'll talk to you over the next 36 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. See you soon. All right, goodbye. See you. Take care. Bye.
3: Thanks
0: all right our thanks to brian we're going to go through the news now and then just quickly look at this game in terms of the stats and the betting and the injury report and all of that good stuff just with the the news at the top now of the show as we continue mcdc says he's going to try and change uh, practices to help prevent more injuries be nice if we could have done that a few weeks ago boys um Is there a larger question to ask about strength and conditioning? It is getting to the point now where it doesn't feel like it's bad luck.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Massive questions.
0: Big questions. Right. There we go. Let's have a look into that a bit more. What can we do about that? There's nothing we can do about that, apart from hope. Hope beyond hope. Jason Kabinda has been named the NFLPA community MVP for week seven. He visited two schools last week, focused on learning through STEM and literacy programs. He's visited a total of six schools this year, and he plans to do a virtual meet and greet with a hundred schools in the Detroit area, giving st- students a chance to ask questions and win prizes such as Lions tickets. Why would you curse him with that? Um, as part of the award to Jason for this, $10,000 goes to a charity of his choice, which is really great to have a guy who was our Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee last year, and he continues to be a big player in the community, guys. It's, we've got a good one.
3: Yeah, we've got a good one. Like I say, off the field, I respect everything he does. Like I say, he's a great ambassador. He carries the flag for him. This is not... I'm not going to talk about him on the field because people know feel, like I say, mm. but yeah, I respect him. I know Madeline Miller, that works for Wood, Wood the network, Wood, the Network. she went and for Sportscraft went with him, seeing all the schools. It's all over Instagram. And he's a really good vocal ambassador. He gets to them, speaks to them on a level, and he's willing to give up all his time. Some people, when they're injured, and in I are, just sit at home, play video games. They don't do anything to help their community. They don't do anything to help the team. But he has gone out there he will never rest on his laurels and he will try to do everything he can to make himself keep himself busy and make an impact off the field while he can. And there's just levels to the game of people when are injured. There's guys out there that say that don't do anything and like him, he's going for rehab, but he's also trying to make a difference. And that was why he was the Walter mate and also nominee for our team as well. <laughs>
0: Amani Oruwari is taking his benching in stride in a an interview. He said that it was deserved and that he wasn't playing well enough. And he's just focusing on getting better in training and putting in the reps so he can get back in the team. So that's really interesting to hear because I, I have to say I expected a different reaction from him. What do you think, boys?
1: I'm just tired of hearing them say they're going to put it in training and not doing it on the pitch. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, words don't mean nothing anymore. It's what happens on the pitch. If he's going to come back and play well, then fine. But I don't care if he's putting in the effort and he carries on being the same old disappointment on the field. Um, you, you've got to go out there and prove it. This whole team has to go out there and prove it now. They've they lost their pride last time and they've got to go out and get it back. And yeah, mm. I'm tired of words now at this point. They mean nothing.
0: Ash, the special correspondent, is coming through with breaking news from Ian Rappaport. The Lions punter Jack Fox has signed a three-year extension which makes him the highest-paid punter in the NFL. $3.775 million a year with $7.5 guarantees. He would have been a restricted free agent after this year, but his good performance being rewarded by the team, he's repped by athletes first. Who rep the two highest paid punters in the NFL? So they're getting their stuff done for their guys. We are hanging on to a guy that, for all the good that he does, we barely use.
1: I say it's just a waste of money. Why, why the hell are we paying him all that to not punt? I mean, uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm fed up of talking about a punter as our best player. Bad teams do that. It's just yay, whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not a bad one today. I'm just great. We've kept him. We've got a good punter. Now let's go out and get an actual good team and and win some games. That um that's where I'm at at the minute. I'm I'm tired of this sort of stuff. This is what Tim Pot is called over here. So yeah, we have signed a punter. Great.
3: I don't know. Why we're paying him anything. I don't.
1: Where's go. the money coming from? Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand. We had no. Camp. Yeah. Yeah, and now we're going to, you know, we've got marginal cap next season and we've just wasted cap now on a punter. Yay.
0: I will presume that the contract probably kicks in after this season finishes, so we'll see how next yes, season Yeah, but that's Stay what I mean. There.
1: Next year we don't have much either, so this is valuable resources going elsewhere. You know, we we don't have a lot of money knocking around.
3: Mm. So did we just pay Sam Martin? Yeah, yeah. we could have just paid Sam him Martin a lot less than
0: him. that. Yeah. So- yeah, I do prefer Sam Fox he was, over. He was just uh, Jack as good Fox Sam Martin,
2: is,
1: The thing is, if you're not going to use utilize Jack Fox as a punter and use him as a weapon on your team, then why pay him? We're not utilizing him as a weapon. There's been loads of chances in the last few weeks where we could have used him to pin someone right in their own end zone, put the pressure on, get the ball back, get advantageous field position. We don't use it. We don't do it. So why are we is wasting it- a load of money doing it?
3: Is this a message that we're not going to go for every fourth down tomorrow? Here, we're gonna. Punt. Oh, you
1: bloody hope so.
0: If
3: we go for every fourth down <laughs> tomorrow and don't punt, then we'll be a laughing stock.
0: Yeah, so I, we I, are. we
3: anyway,
1: we celebrate our punter as one of our best players. That's laughing stock enough as it is. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right, last bit of news. Dave Fip gave his thoughts on the kicker mess. We've had ten kickers in X number of years since Prater left, and he was asked about what the hell's going on and why. And he gave a four-minute answer, which went into great detail, who and what and when and why and how. And I'm not going to recant all of those thoughts here, but it is really interesting to read the full transcript. Because you go through it, it sounds ridiculous for the headline, and then you look at every decision they made, and it all just makes sense. He says, if I go back in time, I still believe that we made the right decision at every point in the process with the available information that we had. And it's unfortunate that we end up here, but that is just how the the rubber the green goes sometimes. And I don't know if you guys agree, disagree. Kickers are a bit different in, to punters, I guess, because kickers are putting points on the board and really do make a difference to whether your team wins or loses at the end of the day. So it, do you see it the same way that he does?
3: 800 words of utter bullshit and dribble. Didn't <laughs> yeah. interest me whatsoever. Yeah, I don't give I, a shit what Dave Fiv has to say. Like I say, it don't mean anything. It's just excuses.
1: Yeah, You can no, tie it, it
3: up in a little bow, but you can't polish a turd. His words are meaningless. We're still no better at the position than we were now. The yeah, then. We don't
1: want excuses. We want action. So go out and do something about it.
3: Rodrigo Blankenship's just made two game-winning, two field goals, like I say, and we could have picked him up. Just another guy we've passed on probably brought in some other scrub from a bowling alley that probably won't even get a chance to kick. The position is just a fucking mess. And I know it's not his fault because he doesn't make the signings, but don't come out and just give us bullshit. Just don't make a statement at all. Just don't say anything. Sometimes this team needs to learn saying less is better.
1: Just say you've screwed up, you know, you, you made a decision, you screwed up. We respect you more for that. So... You know, it's a case of, you know, go out and fix it. Go and find someone. And I find it funny our lines are picky about the kickers. I mean, when there's stuff about blanking shit, even all the B rouse and that, oh, well, he can't kick it from above 50. and that. Oh, we've been picky now. Well, we've been picky about our kickers when we can't get one to hit one at all. You know, to the point where Dan Campbell ain't trusting them. You know, I don't care if you can't kick over 50. Don't have to kick from 50 all the time. Have a good offense that gets you in shorter range situations and means you can kick them from manageable distance. You know, the big problem here is if you're talking about wanting a kicker over 50, you're completely ignoring the fact your offense is no good because you're having to kick from 50 all the time. I'd rather have someone clutch within that to be able to complement a good offense the odd
0: time it stalls. So well, I'm, I'm 100% with you, Ant, but we have that, and he's called Michael Badgley. He's money from within 40, and he's decent between 40 and 50, and he can't kick from over 50, and that's fine. Let him do the easy stuff well, and we'll deal with the
1: rest. Oh, maybe he will. We don't know. But, Dan you know, Campbell won't let him. See, you know... I don't think these coaches. some of these coaches realize that we're done with excuses. You know, you came here and, you know, it's your job to make us better and you're not making us better at the moment. So, therefore, you know, you're under pressure, you know. It's like your D-line coach, you're under pressure. Your secondary coach, you're under pressure, you know. You are not doing your job very well, I'm afraid. So,
0: yeah. All right, let's get into the game. Cowboys four and two. Their history so far this season loss at home to Tampa Bay 19-3 on opening day when they lost Dak Prescott. Then they beat the Bengals at home 20-17, the Giants in New York, or in New Jersey, 23 to 16, beat Washington at home 25 to 10, beat the Rams in LA 22 to 10, and then recently lost to the Eagles. In Philadelphia, 26 to 17. The betting for this game per bet fare, the Lions are 12 to 5. The Cowboys 3 to 1 on. So big favorites for the Cowboys. Six and a half points on the spread in favor of the Cowboys over under 48 and a half on the injury report. A lot to report for the Lions. DJ Chark, Charles Harris, Ifati Malafonwu, Matt Nelson, and Bobby Price are all out. Limited in practice and questionable. Linebacker Chris Board, defensive end John Kaminsky, although he will play, we're told. uh, Mm -hmm. Cornerback Will Harris and wide receiver Josh Reynolds, who did not practice all week until Friday. So he's, I think, a bit more borderline. Guys on the report, but with no designation, will play. DeAndre Swift, Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow and Amon and Brown. Almost nothing to speak of in terms of Dallas and injuries. They have... All got guys that have designations of unspecified, which means they're playing. So that's Quinton Bohanna, Neville Gallimore, Devon Harper, CD Lamb, Jason Peters, Dak Prescott, and Dalton Schultz. The only person who is on their report and out is Matt M- Weletsko. And then on IR, they've got a couple of guys as well. The tackle Tyron Smith went down early this season, the edge Terrell Basham, and wide receiver James. Washington as I said Kaminsky is back but Aaron Glenn has also revealed that Josh Pascal will be activated for this game which is really really promising but also that Kaminsky is going to be playing with a bandage or a club for the rest of the season which you know he did really well in game two our our defensive line looked a lot better with John Kaminsky on it but is it not a bit concerning that he's going to have to play with a club for the rest of the season that's surely got to hamper you a bit and it's his first game back how high can our hopes really be for him
1: more concerning See, it's more concerning that he's second in the team on pressures and he's been injured the last month. That's the more concerning thing. But he just waiver wire pickup who seems to have done more for us than all our big draft picks and anyone else combined. It's again embarrassing.
3: I mean, let's go down the injury list, right? DJ Chark. I had such high hopes in the preseason. of thing it's a one year deal because it's busted. Like right, say. It. He's going to have very little impact at the end of the season when he moves on. will how's he hurt? What's he done? How's he got hurt? He he, he didn't play, any he, he didn't take many snaps in the last game. I've got a very worrying, like I said, we're not going to find a position for him. I don't think he's going to be one of those players that in the next 18 months probably won't be here, which it really pains me to say, because I just think he'll be mismanaged and lucky be unlucky of injury, but I don't, even if we had a full roster playing, I still don't think we have the absolute chance in this game. I don't think we're covering that spread. I don't think by anything close.
0: Looking at the Dallas depth chart, obviously we've said now that Dak Prescott is back. Cooper Rush hits the back to bench. Uh, running backs Zeke and Tony Pollard, as we've talked about. Wide receiver CD Lamb, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, Cavonte Turpin, and Jalen Tolbert with Fahoko and James Washington both on IR. Tight ends, Dalton Schultz, Jake Ferguson, and then the offensive line, Tyler Smith, Connor McGovern, Tyler Ballyash, Zach Martin, and Terence Steele. One of the backups being Jason Peters there as well. The defense plays in a base 4-3, DeMarcus Lawrence, Oza, oh God, how do you say that? Odigzua. Um, a digazua, uh, thank you. Uh, Neville Gallimore and Dorant Armstrong, backed up as well by Sam Williams on that defensive line, as well as Dante Fowler Jr., too. Linebackers Anthony Barlayton, Van der Esch, and Micah Parsons. DBs Anthony Brown, Jaron Curse, Donovan Wilson, and Trayvon Diggs, with Malik Hooker playing out of his mind as a well, said as a backup on here but he's really not he's a he's a starting safety uh, special teams they have Brett Mayer and Brian Anger as their kicker punter combination it it's a team that kind of we were saying to to Brian earlier that it seemed to kind of move sideways and that defense played really poorly this uh, last year but it's taken a big leap boys and they have suffocated teams for that defensive line
1: yeah they've they've got so much in terms of pressure this year they are one hundred and forty three pressures on the year compared to us where we're at eighty you know they are bringing the heat they're mixing their schemes up. they're confusing offensive lines and they're you they say hitting the quarterbacks they've got three times they've got over three times more sacks than what we've got they've got like twelve more Hits them. We've got they've got a boatload more pressure in there, and you see it's it's trench warfare at its finest for them on the defensive side. It's it's winning them games. It's that's what a good defensive line does for you. So it's going to be a tough test for the offensive line this week. But whether this is too harsh or not, if the offensive line ours don't do the job this week, then I'm going to start having massive questions about them. We have invested. Three first-round picks in our offensive line. They are all playing. They are all relatively healthy at this moment in time. Jonah Jackson is back and fit. He is a third-year guy now. We picked him in the third round. There is no excuse. We can't label the rookie tag on him no more. He is a veteran now, I all accounts on that line, doing well. And then whoever we put in a guard, it's one position, whether it's Stenberg, whether it's Skipper, et cetera. That is a good line. I have invested so much money. And uh, not me personally, but this team has invested so much money and draft capital into this offensive line to keep defensive lines like this quiet. When the real elite ones come to town, this is why you invest three first-round picks in your offensive line. And if they can't do the job this week, then I'm sorry, it's not good enough. And people might go, oh, yeah, but it's the Dallas D-line. I don't care. If I'm spending three first-round picks... On my offensive line, I expect it to be able to come up against the likes of Micah Parsons and co. and win. I expect them to give Jared Goff time to throw. I expect them to give the run game ample opportunity to be able to run and get this thing going here. And if they don't, then I'm sorry, but you're looking towards a failure on this line here. Taylor Decker is concerning me greatly. He's not having a great year. He's given up a lot of pressures in the game. For the amount of money we're paying him, we should be expecting better. Craig's still dealing with his injury issues and that there, but, you know, he's the top two centre in the league on his day. Penny is the top rated right tackle in the league. You know, I expect them to go out and win this battle on Sunday, and it is not unreasonable to expect them to do so. So, you know, where they're strong, we should be strong. And if we want to make progress forward as a team, we have to build off this offensive line. Can't do it this week then. Yeah, we've got problems. 100%. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, Just diving into some more of the stats. PFF has them as the 12th overall team with a 74.6 grade. The offense is 26th in the NFL with a 65.5 grade. Defense, 8th in the NFL with a 72.4 grade. Football Outsiders has them with a DVOA of 4th overall with a 20% rate offensive 17th with minus 0.4% defense at sixth minus 16.8% and they have the fourth best special teams apparently 3.6% Prescott as we said went down in game one in that game he was 14 of 29 for 134 yards and an interception Cooper Rush came in in relief and he was 90 of 156 1,020 yards five touchdowns three interceptions the running backs Zeke Elliott the lead back we all know and love 94 carries, 386 yards and two touchdowns. PFF has him slightly rebounding this year with a 70.6 grade. He's fifth on the team with more than 20 snaps taken in terms of grade. But Tony Pollard leads the team in PFF grade. 50 carries, 292 yards and two touchdowns with an 84.9 grade. Their leading receiver is CeeDee Lamb. 60 receptions, 409 yards, and two touchdowns. That's him with second in the team on grade at 74.3. The defense has been playing lights out at times, led, as we've said, by Micah Parsons, 26 tackles, 19 of which solo, 31 pressures, which includes six sacks, as well as eight tackles for a loss, two passes defended, and a forced fumble and a 90.3 PFF grade. Worth mentioning that we were saying about TJ Hawkinson before Parsons has a 90 average grade this year. Hawkinson has had one 90 grade in his career. So this is the level of play that we are talking about from Micah Parsons right now. Cornerback Trayvon Diggs. We talked about him before and what a season he had last year in terms of play on the ball this year. Actually better in terms of keeping things in front of him and not giving up too much over the top. 18 tackles, 16 of which solo. Nine passes defended, two interceptions and a PFF grade of 69.6. That's all of your stats there, the key matchups. We've already talked about the trenches. Can our linebackers and our defensive line, our front seven, hang with their O-line, which the interior has not been great, but the tackles have been very good? And this running core, because despite their D line, uh, their offensive line, those running backs have been getting production. Zeke has been getting better and stronger, but Pollard has been a revelation as he has been as the second running back pretty much the entire time he's been at Dallas. Can we stop the run?
1: I have Whoa. to disagree there. That their offense is nothing to fear on paper. Zeke's going on what four yards a carry? That's it. That's no special. That's nothing really good. I mean, Pollock's doing a bit better, but people know what to expect from him by now. That offensive line the interior is bad. The left tackle is a rookie. He's given up, what, six sacks and quarterback hits this year. He's vulnerable and should be made to feel as such. It's not a good offensive line. It's got two bog-standard running backs in there, one who can be good every now and then, and you've got a quarterback who's coming off injury. Let's stop over these other teams to try and make it feel like Oh, this, you know, it's okay if we lose against them because they're that good. I'm sorry, but they're not. There's no different to what we had when we came up against Seattle. A bad interior offensive line, rookie tackles in there. You know, a quarterback, well, it was a backup quarterback in their case, not an injured one, but still, the point stands. It was there to be had, and it ruined us. But it's the same thing again. This is not a good offense. You heard the guy himself say earlier, wide receivers, no one's stepping up as a wide receiver one. You've got no true threat there to take away all your coverage and to really cause you concern downfield. You've got a quarterback who's coming back from injury who ain't going to want to be slinging it around all over the place. You've got a running back who ain't blowing the charts off there. I mean, like I say, four yards carry, that's, that's, that's not much at all. That's very little. So, I'm sorry, but you know, we should be able to do something against this with the guys we have. We're getting guys back now. If you can't create pressure again, then the positional coordinator, for one, Todd Wash, his job, he needs to be close towards the chopping line, towards the firing line. So I'm sick and tired of seeing this defensive line do nothing against mid to not very good offensive lines and blocking schemes. You know, you need to be putting uber pressure on these young tackles, this bad interior offensive line and guys who ain't going to hurt you if you're good. I'm
3: sorry, but they are not a good offence. D-line D line is healthy, but Kaminski I think with one hand is probably going to be useless, especially in the run game. I think we're going to get bulldozed again by the run. Pascal, I'm glad to see him back, but I expect him to be on snap count and do very little. Hutchinson, I reckon Hutch. I like, Brian thinks two sacks. I reckon Hutch don't get a sniff. I think, like you say, I if they're going to put him at this two position for the guy, or if they're going to put him at linebacker, maybe it can make an impact. But if they're just going to keep doing what they do with him, it's it's insanity. Like I say, it's trying to do the same thing again and expect different results. So unless they're actually telling the truth about moving him about. Because we've been lied to all season. We're, they're feeding us a shit sandwich of, oh, we're going to mix up defensive fronts. I've the bollocks. No one's done anything different. They're just asking Hutch to try Bull Rush. And we just we played Seattle with two rookie tackles. He didn't get a sniff. Like I say, they've got a tight end in jail, Jake Ferguson who is going to be pinned to Hutch, like pin the tail on a donkey. He is going to be smacking Hutch in the face, probably every other player. So the D line. Healthier, but I think it, we're going to be exploited again. I think it's going to have a really rough day again. Harris, no go. Bryant, Austin Bryant goes on about, like say Julian Acquara, like, oh, Christ. Like, the, the D-line, it just worries me. If we get anything out of Kaminsky playing with a club, I'll be delighted because he is such a disadvantage basically playing against one-handed, even against a rookie beat-up all-line it's going to be a tough old day like i say i'd buy a bugs had I think his worst before the buy had his worst game of the season definitely like I say the missed tackles benito jones looks, Yeah. i don't know I'd, half half decent. I, don't, I don't know like the d line i worry like I, the, I, Todd I'd, expect bugs and, I'd expect bugs
1: and i'd expect bugs of mcneil to wrap as equal. i really would if you're going in the middle level if you if you're serious about this thing with aidan then what i suggest you do do the NASCAR. But you know what you do? Put Aiden against um, Smith at left tackle, their rookie who has been leaking pressures all season, and overload the other side of your line. You know, call that bluff. Are they going to carry on doubling Aiden when we're overloaded on the other side? Put Julian out there. Put Austin out there with somebody. You know, overload one side of the line. Give, put one-on-ones against the rookie left tackle. And then I expect my second overall pick to go out there and absolutely... Can ruin him, and if they're going to keep someone on that side, then I expect the other side to have an overloaded advantage against it. Be aggressive with it and put Quich in a position to get him one on one. Call their bluff and overload the other side from him. I mean, we need to do something. I mean, you were talking about the
0: yards per carry of Elliot, but Pollard's been going at five and a half yards a carry, and you know that's that's not bad. So. You know, he's almost got the same yardage on about two-thirds of the carries that Zeke has. Zeke softens them up and Pollard goes over them. So, you know, it's, it's not too far away from the one-two punch that we try and run with ourselves with with Jamal and Swift. So, I think I think saying it's only four yards per click for, for Zeke misses what Pollard does so well in that running game.
1: It is. No, it's not. This is not insulting Pollard, but... Pollard works better when Zeke comes in, takes all the hits, gets the dirty yards, etc. And then you schematically use Pollard to your advantage there. you. Yeah. At the end of the day, Zeke's running back one. He has the most carries. He has the most yards on that team. He is the biggest threat there. And you have to, you know, so he's your running back one. You shut him down. He, he Four yards per carry is okay, but it's not great you know it's the same thing that the Seahawks were doing when we played them they were i think at exactly 4 yards per carry and have been doing nothing in the run game that season and we still couldn't stop it and it's not great so as much as it is it's like we're going oh god can we can we hang with Dallas's offense it's like well yeah you know the lead running back is running it at the same clip the Seahawks were when we played them and that was rubbish it's not like he's clipping off 6 7 yards per carry so it's not like, oh, God, yeah, they're, they're really good. He's just gonna flat-out run over us. We've got to start making excuses for other teams because it feels like that's what we're almost trying to do is glorify them a little bit more than what it is so that when we lose, it, it doesn't matter as much. And I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of using excuses. You look at this offense, and yet yeah, I'm not taking away anything Dallas has done this year at all. But if we're serious about winning games, if we're serious about beating teams, you have to be offenses like this. There are there are vulnerabilities there. You have to take advantage of them. We can't just go, oh well, you know, it's that they're great, they're amazing. We're going to come up against a lot fiercer attacks this year. And what we're we going to say then? Oh, these are mega elite, not just elite. It's excuse making. That, that's that's what it is. And I expect my team to come out tomorrow and give that defense, give that offense, sorry, a hard damn time. You know, they're going to want to protect the quarterback. They're going to want to run the football. Well, they ain't elite at running the ball at the minute, so shut that down, put it on him, and then do everything you can to go after and get that down early and make him know that you rush back early, this is what you get for it. And you've got to try and find the positions to do that, and we can. There's no reason we can't put it. I mean, what's it saying? Do you believe in your coaching staff when they say, oh, we don't know how to utilise our second overall pick? That, for me is concerning when my second overall pick and they don't know what to do with him it's like well why the hell did you draft him if you don't know what you're going to do with him why did you draft him and you know excuses need to stop you can call dallas's bluff and get aid on one-on-one this weekend and you can create favorable situations for yourself will they do it who knows
0: Let's move on to the other side of the ball and talk about the offense. The Lions blanked against New England, but got plenty of yards and just turned down situations where they could put points on the board in favor of going for touchdowns that never materialized. So I put Ben Johnson bounce back question mark, but I really don't believe that this was really a Ben Johnson issue. But do you think our offense is going to be able to put points on the board against this defense? We heard that they have a, a, self-confessed weakness at linebacker which i honestly don't entirely buy because i do think okay van der esch is an injury concern always but he's fit right now and he's playing fine in that sense of defense if he started for us he would be up there with malcolm as a good to passable linebacker starting for our team you know that he's not a weakness in that team when he's playing that's the point right and then you've got Micah parsons who is apparently playing a bit more in coverage now and doing well in that regard. They've got Trayvon Diggs at cornerback alongside Hooker, who's playing fantastically at safety. Can we do something against this defence?
1: Absolutely, you can. I mean, again, where they're strongest is the defensive line. That That is where they are undoubtedly strong. They are damn good there, as we've said. But... That's the one true core strength we can put to on our team is our offensive line to negate that. Again, I don't mean to take, go over the point again, but three first-round picks invested, a third-round pick invested. They're all seasoned guys now who should be able to come up against this level of opposition and compete against them. You know, if the Cowboys give up, what is it, 120 yards a game against the rush, it's what, 17th, 18th best in the NFL. So they're in the bottom half when it comes to rushing yards, giving up. So teams can run on them. The way that we've run the ball this season, you're damn right, I expect, our offensive line to create opportunities for our run game to flourish. And then if you can get into that linebacking call, which I said has been a little bit of an issue, create yardage. That is your opportunity into this game. You know, fight them where they're strongest, beat them there, and you nullify a lot of what that defense brings to you break that defensive line. You can break that defense and you can score points on them. And as I say, we have the weapons to do it. So we shouldn't be in a situation where we're thinking, can we score points against them? It's a point of, yes, we can score points against them. We need our players to show up and play like the guys we invested in. And if you can get yourself into favorable situations, let Jared Goff sling it out a bit. You know, we've got our playmakers back. We've got DeAndre back. We've got Amon Ra back. So... You know, the big playmakers are in. TJ stood up last game, well, or the game before last, should I say. We saw what he can be again. So there's no excuse you can't. You can't just go, the D line's too good. It doesn't matter if we score five points. You know, n- not acceptable. We can do this.
3: See, I agree. Like I said, the offensive line can you know, I don't trust the weapons. I don't trust Swift. I think coming out of this injury, I think we'll see Swift that goes back into his shell. I'll see Swift that doesn't trust a plant on the ankle. Swift that will shy away from contact. Hawkinson one week has his best game, and then a week later, he's invisible. <clears throat> his days on the team are numbered. I'm I'm processing my mind, like you say, moving on from him very quickly, even by the deadline, like you say. This would be the ideal game, Hawkinson. If they're not so good at linebacker, if they think Let's just get Parsons, get after the quarterback and not use him in coverage. There's the middle of the field to be exploited. Uh, We don't have a deep threat. This team does not have a deep threat. Chark's gone. Reynolds, for me, just isn't it. So I don't think we have anyone that can worry Diggs. But Amon Ra going across the middle, getting yards after cover, after catch, is the only realistic person that's going to make this defense actually respect the passing game. I think Jamal Williams hopefully can keep up the good run and is able to get through the holes and get through the dirty work. We can score points, but it's about making their defense be honest and respect the passing game and have to drop guys into coverage. Because if they just want to sit and tee off on Goff, that, that's just my biggest strategy. I just worry that how much time will be in the pocket. That, like, we've seen now that Goff this year has got much better escaping pressure. This is going to be one of those games where he is going to have to be on point. He's going to have to roll away. He's going to have to scramble. He's going to have to throw on the move. And that's what I want to see from him. So we could have scored a points against New England. I agree. It wasn't exactly a Ben Johnson issue. It was everything in between the red zones was fine. In the red zones, dog shit. Jared Goff just shit the bed. Or oh, the offensive line just met Matthew Judon, just bully us. And. I want to think that we can compete with them. This game is going to be how quickly we start if we're able to keep up with them that will want to start quickly. So there's, there's points there to be had, but we're going to have to go out there and take them. They won't give us them, like say, because New England, like say, didn't take anything for granted and they did not respect our offense one bit.
1: No, no. And I think that's the overall theme of this. We need every unit to have a great game if you're to have a realistic chance in this, you need your offense to offensive line to have a great game, like really, really great in both facets of the game. You need your defensive line to have a really great game, mix the schemes up, mix the looks up, create the pressure, which takes the pressure off the rest of the defense. You know, you coaching wise, you're going to have to have a great game to put yourself in the most favorable situations. That's, that's kind of the theme of it here. You know, this this Cowboys team, despite its flaws, is, is still good enough to beat you quite comfortably if you're not having a great game. So all facets of the ball need to stand. I don't want to just see the offense score 40 and the defense not show up again. I don't want to see the defense keep them down to 20 points and the offense not show up again. You know, I want to see the offense come out and put up 40 points. I don't want to see the defense come out and give away 20. I know it's not going to happen, but I want to see them playing that well together because we know they can do it. But, you know, the time for showboating is over. The time for putting it on the field is now. And that's that's what they've got to do. They've got to earn our trust back because they're losing it rapidly, the rate they're playing at this moment in time.
0: Right, let's get into score predictions, boys. We've talked at length about our, our expectations for this team, how they need to coach the adjustments they need to make the fact that this is an eminently winnable game, but perhaps the way that they've done things over the first six weeks would indicate that if nothing changes, it's nothing but a certain loss. So hopefully they can make those changes. What do you think the score will be when it's all said and done?
3: 27, 10 Dallas. I don't think the coaches will. I think they'll, uh... They I haven't learned anything. I expect us to be too aggressive at times, too passive at others. Are we really going to see these... Super, are we going to stand touch up? Are we going to put him at a two-point? Is it going to be a backer? Are we going to see these mixed-up three-man defensive fronts? They've made promises. Now deliver. Like, you've told us stuff for two weeks that, oh, we promise we'll change things. We'll mix things up. We'll make advantages. Like, the time has come to, to live up to that. I say, if if I don't see anything different tomorrow, like you say next week, you'll get hypercritical. Like you say, I will go in, like you say, and I will be calling for a head to roll. If we don't learn anything, I want someone fired next week. Like, I don't care who it is. We have now been told that we've we've looked ourselves in the mirror. Dan said, like, I'll, we'll look in the mirror, we'll look hard at ourselves, and we'll make some adjustments. Now prove it. This is a coach. This is a game for the coaches as well as it is the players.
1: Yeah, because McCarthy's known for tactical ineptitude. So if there's anyone you're going to take advantage of, it's him. But I'm I'm with Ryan. You know, the, the time for action is now. They're like, you know, the the partner who cheats on you. They they've said all these nice words, they've, like in Jamal Adam's words, they've taken us out for dinner, they've done all this, and then you find out that they're seeing someone behind your back, and it's just at the point now where we've been told so many nice words, this is happening, that's happening, the players are working hard, they're grinding. Well, go out on that field and show me. Go out and show that you care. Go out and show that you can do this. Go out and show me that you've got grit. And when push comes to shove, I'm sorry, but they've lost my trust. and I don't trust them to do it anymore. I've got 31-18 to the Cowboys and... I don't trust my offensive line to protect him. And if they don't, I'm going to start pointing fingers next week as well. Because Taylor Decker as a first-round pick should be better. Frank Ragnar is a first-round pick. He's doing well. You know, that's fine. But Jonah Jackson, I expect him to be doing better as a third-year guy now. Sewell is doing his job right. You know, I expect all these guys to stand up and perform. And I expect them to nullify this line. And if they don't, I'm going to have issues, But I just can't see trench warfare wise. We're going to win this one. And that's where you beat the Cowboys. I don't trust our defensive line. I don't trust aspects of our offensive line. So go out there and prove me wrong guys.
0: Please. Actually, I actually think that we cover the spread. I know that's probably not the most uh, popular view ever, but I do think that our offense has shown enough to get it done. And I'm with Ant in that they don't scare me. And I actually think that where they are weak, we are strong in terms of we are quite good at getting the ball out quite quickly. A lot of our passing game through Swift or Amon Ra or Hawk can be done quite easily against that linebacker group, which our friends have said is not the best. I think that our offense can chunter down the field. I just don't trust our defense to be able to stop them when it counts. I have 27-24 in favour of Dallas. I think that it's just in our MO to keep games close and still lose is what we did last year and nothing's really changed. In terms of the way the story happens, the Lions might come back from 27-10 down to 27-24 and not win the game. They, they don't get the uh, onside kick recovery with 30 seconds to go to give themselves a chance. How many times have we said that in the last year and a half?
1: And you know what? That's worse than getting blown out. because it shows that it is i'm tired of these come from behind nearly moral victories you know mike turned it very well it's moral victory monday now well look at us we put up some points at the end of the game and we made it close no we were always out of it we were always too far behind to affect a result there i'm i'm done with moral victory mondays either either play hard play a close game and win or just get blown the hell out. I, I don't care either way. I'm done with these narrow defeats and whatnot. It's neither is showing progress. Still showing that you don't have an ability to win games, whether mm-hmm. mentally or skill-wise. So yeah, you you've yeah. got to prove us wrong now, Lions.
0: We're handing it over to them for tomorrow's game, and you can join us here on More of the Lions UK where I'll be streaming live for reactions during the game i know i go up against micro mike, mike for that one but you know we got some good lines content creators over here so wherever you are it's going to be a good game to watch i'm sure uh just for to go through all the bits and bobs at the end here don't forget to smash that like button on the youtube if you can that helps us out a lot our next episode is on monday it's the cowboys review show otherwise the college Pod. if you didn't hear it where were you that was only a few hours ago and ryan what did he talk about
1: <laughs> so Talked about a lot, um, a lot going on in week seven of the college season. Alabama lost, lots of unbeaten teams lost. Um, conferences are crazy, wide open at the moment. It's very difficult to predict who's going to the playoffs, who's going to championship games, and that's just going to get even worse this weekend coming. So yeah, go and uh, go and go and check that out, and then obviously upcoming week we'll be back next week. It's uh, Michigan, Michigan State next week, which I'm sure is not going to. Evoke any strong reaction whatsoever, if anything. By our Twitter timelines are going by, they're all calm about it and been nice to one another.
0: Hashtag go green, hashtag go blue. We cover Gosh. all the bases. <laughs> Please don't forget to uh like the episode, sub to the podcast, leave your comments below on what you think the result is going to be for this game, despite the fact that we are all not believers in the coaching staff making a change. I hope, beyond hope, that we can get a W in this game. Don't forget to hit us up on our socials, Royal Alliance UK, on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And the group for worldwide fans on Facebook is Detroit Lions fans, UK1 Pride Worldwide. The guy who runs that, our very own Ryan Farden, is in Dallas for the game tomorrow. So I hope that he can deliver us. Victory Monday RoyalTheLionsUK.com is where you can see all of our articles Ash has got the preview article up already so go and check it out otherwise it just remains for me to thank Ryan and Ant for doing a massive stint this morning, thank you boys for sticking with us on here and to everyone watching along live or listening on the pod thank you much for chatting with us and listening to us we'll see you on Monday, for now come on boys you can do it, let's go Lions One Pride
3: One Pride